Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to a special Winning Wednesday edition of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. And even if this game wasn't just uh, played last night, I think this game would deserve its own episode. My God. What just happened? <laughs> uh, Tim Fontenot is here with me. We're going to be talking about last night's mad, just wild game in Marquette. Uh, Tim, what just happened? What what did we see last night? <laughs> well, for 25 minutes, we saw one of the worst performances of all time. Um, probably the worst I've seen since the Houston Conference Tournament game a couple years ago. Um, and then for the last 15 minutes, we saw the Tyler Polly show. And it's one of the greatest shows that's ever been put out on a basketball court, on Broadway, in a movie theater, anywhere. That was one of the greatest 15 minutes of basketball I've seen in a long time from at least an individual player. That was um, that was an all-timer. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, that was an all-time performance. It was was. Awesome. Just, it was awesome, just in every sense of the word. Uh, so for those of you who are living under a rock, UConn was trailing by 18 points yesterday in the second half, and they end up boat racing with Marquette the rest of the way to finish uh, with a 65-54 to win. Tyler Pauly outscored Marquette all by himself. But I, uh, I, you can fact check me if that's exactly right, but I know that he outscored him 23-11 to in the last 15 minutes of the game. Which is just insane. Uh, he just he basically yeah just took over, and it really was. Uh, it's not an overstatement to say that that was a turning point in UConn's season because you are at like think about where UConn was. You're eight, down eighteen points with I don't know what would be at that point like eighteen minutes to play. So you know they're down big at a point where really you have no reason to believe that they're going to come back. James Booknight is out. He had uh, hurt his elbow in the first half and did not play for the first like 10 or 12 minutes of the second half. And when he eventually did come back, but he he was clearly laboring. He he wasn't very good. And, you know, the whole season was like, who else is like if Booknight's not on the court, how are we going to score? And instead, what you end up getting was a Tyler Polly just completely catching fire. And just the rest of the guys just stepped up Isaiah Whaley finally stayed out of foul trouble and he I mean god we could do a full, whole podcast on him just un- just unbelievable uh we'll run through the whole thing but I guess just kind of the first place to start is um you know is it an overstatement to just say that this is maybe UConn's biggest and most important win and I, I don't know since the Jalen Adams game what do you how like this was huge what do you what do you think this uh this ranks just in terms of recent UConn history yeah I think I think this one's in that. I think it's definitely the most important since the since the Jalen Adams game. I think that the only other one that comes close for me is the Florida win last season, and I think that was just a statement about where UConn was heading in the future. Um, now we're in the here and now in the Big East, and they, like you said, they desperately needed that win. I think to if they end up getting run out of that building by Marquette last night it just sets a bad tone for the rest of the season, or especially this stretch that's coming up where they're playing a lot of games in a very few days. So I, I can't remember a game that's that felt that way at the end quite quite like that since probably, yeah, the Adams game. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of just the sheer unlikeliness, the pro- it was preposterous. What happened last night was legitimately insane. And you, you compared it a little bit to uh, how it was looking like it was going to be the worst loss since that Houston conference tournament game. 
I was thinking, like, even before the comeback actually began or really kind of took off, you know, Houston, that, that game, they fell behind by, like, 20, and then they quit, and then they just lose by, like, I don't know what the final number was. It was almost 40. It was a joke. Yeah, I think it was 38. Old UConn loses last night's game by, like, 40 points. They they yeah. quit. They just get run out of the business, out of the building. It's a disaster. And they could have just they had every reason and every incentive to or well they had every reason to quit last night it was just ever it was looking like a legitimate nightmare season ending almost like just like just we would have all been besides ourselves last night it would have been just a, a total disaster and instead just i mean something to be said about just this group of guys and i think it really we need to give a ton of credit to the seniors like tyler Polly and isaiah whaley led this comeback you know, those were not Dan Hurley recruits. They weren't really the guys that we expected. Or Well, t- go back two years, you know, two years ago, would you have expected Tyler Polly and Isaiah Whaley to be even still on the roster at this point? You would almost think that they would have transferred out by now. And instead, you have these guys just stepping up and just turning this around and really just making a statement. UConn jumped like, what was it, like 10, 11 points in, in the ranks of uh, Schwartz and Ken Palm? Like, yeah, they they're, they're in the top 30. It's uh, now, you know, UConn is pretty solidly is like the number three team in the conference. I, I guess Seton Hall is kind of has a you know debate about that. But where they stand right now is like a really good place. And, you know, they got some tough road games coming up, but not necessarily against teams that you expect them to lose to. You know, this is a very, very important win and could spring them board them into some really uh, they could really go places from here. Um, so, well, I guess before we dive into the specifics, you know, what, what, where does UConn stand now, just given what we saw last night? Uh, way better than I thought they were going to be at 10 o'clock last night, that's for sure. Um, I think this is the kind of game that shows that UConn can find ways to win, will find ways to win, and that's bad news for a lot of teams that aren't named Villanova and Creighton, because I think on, on any night, UConn's going for the win against anyone else in this conference and on most nights they will give Villanova and Creighton nightmares too so this is this is a big win going forward for UConn and it makes teams realize that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with in this conference for sure definitely so uh everyone watched the game last night I'm taking it so we don't need to do the play-by-play so really the main thing I think we need to start with is book night uh because this is an issue that could potentially linger and could potentially put a damper on any uh positivity going forward so uh, according to Dave Borges uh he has uh, book night has a hyperextended elbow which sounds it, it looked horrible in, at, in the moment just like you know he, he that that looked just extremely painful when uh, I, I don't remember who it was who fell on Book Knight's arm, but it's not what you want for sure. Uh, and he clearly was affected by it. Uh, it was extremely encouraging that he came back. Uh, so I, I don't know if Book Knight's going to miss any time. We're really going to have to wait and see. But the fact that he got back in the game, you know, even in the second half after sitting out for a little while, definitely encouraging. So I don't think we need to worry about like book night missing like a month, like, or anything like that. That doesn't seem likely, but you know, if he's not able to be James book night, that's going to hurt UConn in the short term. And you know, until he's feeling like himself. So as far as that goes, what are, are we concerned about book night or are we, is he ultimately going to be okay? You think? Uh, I think he's going to be okay. I mean, Obviously, the fact that he was able to come back into the game last night and be on the court for, I think, what was it, like the entirety of the last 15 minutes or so, that was really encouraging. Um, 
I will say one thing that I absolutely loved about James Booknight last night was when he was on the bench and he was like, it was like he almost had to be pulled away from the floor most of the time because he was up on his feet, especially when they started to kind of get back into it in the second half when they were, you know, they had been down 18 and they were slowly creeping back in and he was, he was more active on the sidelines than Hurley. I love that. Um, but then he comes back on the floor and it was, I think him being on the floor for as, you know, as unproductive as he was in the box score, you know, he only shot three at 12 last night. It was a really, it was a really rough game for him even before the injury. Um, but Marquette had to, had to pay a lot of attention to him when, uh, when he got back on the floor and that opened things up for guys like Tyler Polly. So that was that was a big impact, too. You know, he wasn't necessarily on the ball. He wasn't necessarily the guy they were looking for for shots. But just his presence alone gave the other guys the opportunity to make the big plays. Yeah, I, I actually distinctly do remember that there was a point where it was in the middle of the comeback where he's just like straight up just like on the court, like like <laughs> as close to being on the court as you can be, just clapping and just making a whole a whole scene and, you know, obviously, you know, UConn was kind of going down to the other side, so he wasn't on screen for long, but I remember being like, okay, he's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it was something was really wrong, he'd be, at the very least, he would be, like, sitting down or he'd be, like, you know, it's his elbow and he's, like, clearly cla- he's like clapping as enthusiastically as probably the rest of us were back home. So, you know, from A, he's clearly feeling like he's he's upbeat and then obviously just... He was able to get back out there, and it's probably worth mentioning, too. Book Knight, even though he couldn't get the ball in the hoop last night, was able to contribute in two important ways. He continued to draw double teams throughout. Um, it's pretty obvious that's just going to be a defensive game plan from now on. DePaul did the same thing. Every time he has the ball, two guys collapse on him. And he also had five rebounds. Uh, so, yeah. you know, including, I, I believe it was the uh, defensive rebound on... It was, you know, I told you we're not going to do the play-by-play, but I am going to just do this one here. (laughs) If there was any dagger in the game, it was this. Marquette was trailing by six, and they attempt a three and miss. And Booknight got the rebound, and ultimately, a couple seconds later, Polly knocks down the three that really gave UConn the win. So, you know, Booknight was productive in a less obvious way. So, you know, a bad game for him, still ultimately not that bad, considering that his teammates picked him up. You know, if, 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 if book Knight only scores six and five and Polly scores 23 and does all the crazy Tyler Polly stuff, if the two had done the exact same thing, but reversed, we'd be saying, Oh my God, like what a great win. Instead. It's like, okay. So somebody else, the production came from somebody else last night. Right. Okay. Which I think is so important. You know, you, you know, James book Knight isn't going to be Superman. What is it? 30 times a season. Like he's going to have a, a bad game or two. And last night, Tyler Polly proved, Isaiah Whaley proved that people will step up or can step up at least when that happens. And Booknight proved that even though he wasn't necessarily his most productive last night, even before he went down with the injury, he can still find ways to make an impact and get things open for the other guys. Yeah, they were. That was great. Uh, the other big thing I think uh, worth mentioning in the first half, at least, was UConn's defense. Uh, yeah. obviously Marquette made a big run. Uh, they finished the half on a 24 to 13 run. They led 31 to 23. I think it could have been way worse. Uh, and UConn's defense, they hung, especially in like the last, there was like a five minute stretch where they were totally trash, but the last like couple of minutes of the half, they were, 
maybe not good, but they were at least they, they kind of got their act together and that kept it, you know, within reach. Obviously, the first couple of minutes of the second half kind of undid that progress, but it, all season long, we've seen it. And then obviously the final 15 minutes, they really clamped down. Uh, this team can play on defense. Um, what did you see from them last night in that respect? Uh, I think you pretty much summed it up really well there. I really, for those first three minutes of the game, I got in my head that it was just going to be a night where UConn runs away with it because I thought they were that good on the defensive end to start the game, especially Adama Sanogo, who I thought in those first couple minutes was, it was his best stretch of his freshman season so far. Um, but, you know, it was, it, it did get pretty rough there for a second. Um, Dawson Garcia had pretty much had his way with UConn last night and he, it terrifies me that he's a freshman. Um, maybe he won't be around for four years, fingers crossed, but they, they locked down when they needed to. And we've talked about it all season, you know, for as bad as they could be on the offensive end of the floor, the defense is going to step up and, you know, step up. They did. And they, it was crucial last night. They, you know, they, especially, you know, on the boards, I thought they were outstanding on the boards last night. They, that was huge when it came to turning this game around. So, um, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have a rough spell every now and then. Um, I think that some of the lineup rotations didn't really help that, but when you've got, when you've got a good lineup out there, they're, they're going to be tough to beat defensively. And again, you know, still down low, a cook of cooks, not back yet. He's coming back. And I think that that's going to, that's going to up things for this team big time. Yeah, I'm just starting to imagine what this team is going to look like if you have Whaley playing, you know, without foul trouble and a cook. And especially if you even get like half of what Tyler Polly gave you last night. That is frightening. <laughs> like that is going to be nuts. Um, Whaley, I mean, man, I mean, he, it's no fluke at this point. Whaley is legit. Like he like yeah. an all-conference caliber player. That was an that was an incredible performance last night. Only two fouls. He knocked down a, like one of those WTF three pointers. Like, where, you know, who saw that coming? Um, but really, the most important thing, like, not only was he good, but he was efficient. He made seven of ten shots. He got thirteen rebounds. He, I mean, Garcia was great, obviously, and kind of had his way with the front court as a whole. But Whaley was the best forward on the court last night. Like, oh yeah, just in every way. I mean, he. It never ceases. I, I I'm gonna just be sound like a broken record, but it never ceases to amaze me just how good he's gotten. Cause like, he just he just wasn't that good before. <laughs> now he's now look what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm I guess I'm kind of looking for the question right now, but just like yeah. oh, God, Whaley, what do you what just what what do you make of him? Especially just you know finally staying on the court for like most of the game. I think that's one of the most important things is the fact that he's staying like he's at least in this game, and I think the DePaul game too, staying out of foul trouble. And I think that's something that's, that speaks to the whole team. Um, before before that break after the Creighton game, uh, so those first four games of the season, I think it was, they were over 20 fouls in every game. I think there were three games with 21 and one with 25 personal fouls as a team. Against DePaul, they only had 17, and against Marquette, they only had 14. So I think that was massive. And for Whaley to only have two of those and for him to be able to stay on the floor and, you know, lead the team with, he played 34 minutes. That was the most of anyone on the team. Um, you need him out there. You need him playing as much as possible. You can't have him in foul trouble. Um, you know, and going 
quickly going back to a cook coming back, hopefully that will help things in the foul department too, because, you know, Sonogo had four and Josh Carlton, who I think is another guy who had a few good minutes last night, who definitely made an impact. He also had four fouls. So there's eight of your 14 combined between your, your two big guys. And hopefully, you know, having another big coming back, it'll help kind of break that up and you won't have to worry about foul trouble as much. But for Whaley in particular, I mean, again, I, t- I mentioned the Houston game, uh, that conference tournament game. They lost by 38, and that was two seasons ago. Whaley only played five minutes and didn't score. He had no impact in the game. He just kind of came in when it was done and dusted, and, hey, let's let this kid get on the floor for a few minutes. And little did we know at that point what was going to happen over the next you know season plus because this guy, again, you know, as amazing as Book Knight is, as, as much as he is the best player on this team, I think there's a case, again, for Isaiah Whaley as the most important player on this team. Yeah, I mean, last night was really a pretty, you know, a pretty uh, t- telling just in terms of the impact he made. And as far as the foul trouble goes for uh, Sonogo and Carlton, I mean, if we're being honest, like if you guys, if you want two guys getting in foul trouble and everybody else basically being fine, that's not a bad trade off because as long as Whaley's in the lineup, then you can roll out Polly and you can roll out Martin. You're still going to get rebounds and you're still going to get defense uh, Well, uh, from Martin. Polly great as he was yesterday, never going to be a great defensive player, but he he can do, he can do a lot of good things just because just by virtue of being like a a tall, you know, good shooting, you know, he he, actually like a a deceptively decent rebounder. I think he he deserves a little bit more credit for his rebounding than he gets, but just, you know, that lineup is fine. And, you know, obviously you'd rather have Carlton and Sonogo, especially Sonogo out there being productive. But, you know, last night was a good recipe for how UConn can win a game, you know, when, things just aren't going their way because let's face it everything that could have gone against UConn last night given the the conversation (laughs) like think about it what if we recorded this podcast on Monday night like usual what would we have been saying like oh well you know you know book night needs to stay on the court Whaley needs to stay on the court and they like I don't know like basically everything that we would have been talking about is the stuff that didn't happen with the Marquette game and they they found a way (laughs) um so yeah, so let's talk about the comeback. Um, they raised that 18-point deficit really fast. Like, yeah. it's not like it took them the whole rest of the game. Like, it was like in the blink of an eye, like eight minutes, it was just gone. I, I, like, I, I don't, even, I don't even know what to say. Like, just it just when it, when I think when Polly hit that, uh, I want to say it was his second three. It was he had a three at one point that gave him the lead for the first time. It was 48 to 47. And I just remember thinking, like, how did this happen? Because <laughs> uh, then, you know, you're kind of th- like thinking, like, okay, well, here's the part where Marquette, like, kind of s- stabilizes things. You know, UConn's going to be feeling themselves. And it never really ended. UConn just kept the foot on the, the gas pedal. So just as far as the original, like, 18-point comeback, w- what was your takeaway just in terms of not only how fast it happened, but, like, what you were thinking in the moment as it was going down? All I could keep thinking about was how happy I am that Tyler Polly is healthy and making shots because, you know, like I've said last season, he was one of my favorite. He was my favorite player on this team. I mean, the way he, that he could just like the way he stretched the floor and the way he just like bang those threes in. And so once he got the ball in his hands last night, I'm like, if he just if he makes one, he's going to keep making them and then it's going to be game over. And he just kept hitting them. And hitting him, and they, Marquette wasn't doing anything about it. I think they were so worried about the ball eventually ending up with Booknight that 
they didn't really bother to, you know, to stop Tyler Polly. And even when they did try a little bit, they weren't stopping him. Um, so that was amazing. I think early, early on when they were down 18, I was like, there's no way that they're going to come back. Like they, I was like, they might get it back to eight again. And I thought going into halftime down eight was a miracle, but you know, I think that this Marquette team is going to, you know, they're going to stop this real quick and, you know, they're talented enough to just see this out, even if it's not an 18 point win for them, but no, UConn just kept coming and UConn kept coming. And then all of a sudden we were winning and all of a sudden we're up by like six. And I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And just like looking over the play by play, I realized that actually like Polly's three point avalanche actually really did not happen until after they had already erased the deficit, which is the craziest part. Yeah. I, so he has, I, I marked down, he had uh, five three pointers in total. And I marked down the last four as kind of being the four most pivotal shots of the game. So the first one I mentioned was the one that actually gave them the lead. That was with the eight, uh, eight minutes and seven seconds left. And then, you know, that's the moment. Okay, well, Marquette's going to probably stabilize it. It's going to be a close game throughout. We've seen this story before. And that kind of started to happen the next two minutes until. So Marquette takes a couple, uh, takes a two point lead. And then Polly again. Three-pointer, UConn's back up by one, 51-50, 6-11 to play. And now you're like, okay, that's interesting. About a minute later, Polly knocks down another three. The bench is going nuts now. UConn's up by five, 55-50 with 5-10 to play. And then now you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then finally, the play I just mentioned, uh, Marquette misses a three. Book Knight gets the rebound. Uh believe it was Brendan Adams dishes to Polly and he knocks down what was I think we all knew then was the dagger and yeah. knocks down the three 60 to 52 344 to play and I yeah then there was uh, one last uh, Marquette missed three with a minute and a half and then Polly hit one last jumper and it's a, and it's a wrap 62 54 UConn stretches it a little bit further from there and I'm just watching it and just being like this is different we have not yeah. seen, you know, we've seen like the version of the story where UConn just gets blown out of the building. More recently, we've seen the version of the story where they come back and it's a nail biter. And lately we've seen them win those games. And now we're actually not only seeing them winning, but now they're actually turning the tables and they stretch the lead to 11. They, they not only came back, but they just flipped the table over and just threw Marquette right out of the bar. What? It wasn't even like Marquette. You know, it didn't get to 11 because Marquette kept fouling at the end. It was just, it was a legitimate 11 point lead, which is just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and that's the craziest thing too. Like this Marquette. So we should probably talk about Marquette, like on their own merits. This Marquette team isn't a bad team. They they, uh, already have two top 10 wins. They beat Wisconsin and Creighton. But, like, it does seem that they are an inconsistent team. They lost three straight before they narrowly narrowly avoided an upset against Georgetown. This team, so I think Marquette kind of is what we thought they were, which is, like, a mid-tier Big East uh, team in this year's conference. They're not bad. They, they're, they're, Darson, Darson Garcia is great. I don't think anybody else in that team, I didn't find them to be that impressive, and nobody else was productive, really. I, I don't think anybody else was even in double figures. But it's still like a pretty good team. So it's not like a team you look at and say, oh, that's a team that UConn is going to just like fall behind by 18 and wind up outscoring them by like 
whatever it was, like 30 points down the stretch or something like that. So, you know, Marquette, I, I'm sure if we talked to Anonymous Eagle, they'd probably just be apoplectic and just like, Marquette is terrible. This is awful. What are we going to do? I don't think it's that. I think Marquette's an, a pretty good team. I think UConn just played great down the stretch. But uh, I sh- just what, what are your thoughts on Marquette and I guess kind of where, you know, they stand on kind of the they blew it versus UConn took it to them continuum? Uh, well, the first thing, when you said they're not bad, I just want you to know I heard that in a very thick Jim Calhoun voice from that uh, from that famous rant a few years ago about Ryan Gomes. So <laughs> they're not bad. They're not um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, if you want Marquette to say they effed up, then yeah, they effed up a little bit. But I think it was a combination of both Marquette letting themselves down and UConn fighting their way back into it. Um, I don't think it was necessarily one way or the other. Um but like you said, this is a decent team, and I think it's worth noting that six and six is extremely deceiving with this team. They they've played a really really tough schedule. Um, their worst loss of the season, when you look at Ken Palm, is um, or their lowest ranked loss, I should say, is to Xavier, who was fifty three at the time, and that was on that desperation three that we talked about, that amazing buzzer beater uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, they're. Again, they're not a bad team. They're kind of a, like you said, mid-tier Big East, I think, is still a really, really good squad, as we've talked about with this conference, just being as deep as it is. So I think Marquette's going to give any team in this conference a rough game on on any given night. Um, their next game is against Villanova, so that's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. But yeah, I, I I don't think they're I don't think they're a bunch of scrubs. I think they're a really good team. They've got a really great freshman in Dawson Garcia. Um, yeah, I thought like you said, they were there wasn't as much production down the line after him, but um, still not a that's a tough team to play, and it's of course a very tough place to go and play. Yeah, I think you you know Ken Palm has been a big fan of Marquette throughout the season, so I I don't think it's a surprise that by going to Marquette and beating them on the road by eleven points, you, that getting that kind of a jump up in Ken Palm on UConn's part, I, I it's encouraging, but also not really surprising. Marquette is legit, uh, you know, to in the in the ways that matter to the nerds, I guess. <laughs> Um, let's kind of give some shout outs to some of the other, uh, role players in this one. Brendan Adams, uh, you know, won't exactly jump off the score sheet, but I think he was one of the most impactful players in the, the, the points where it mattered. Uh, he only finishes with four points, but he had two assists and those were like the two biggest assists to the game. You know, he, he was on the court during that kind of eight minute to five minute mark where UConn goes from kind of taking the lead to taking control and, yeah, I, I thought he played pretty good defense and was a good distributor. You know, Brennan Adams is one of those guys where it's like you, you, you're not always sure what you're going to get, but I thought he was a, a really net positive in the at least in the you know the final minutes. Um, R.J. Cole, I, we should also mention, did not have a great scoring night, but he did have five assists, and I think that's the most important thing for him right now is he needs to be a better distributor and a better point guard. And his defense was great, as usual. So let's talk about the point guard play. Brendan Adams and RJ Cole, what do you think about the two of them last night? I thought that they were extremely important to the comeback. Um, and, you know, I think you just summed it up really well again. They, you know, Cole was awesome on the defensive end. And he's not, a, I think he needs to accept that he's not a shooter on this team necessarily. If he can start getting the shots to fall, then that's awesome. But, you know, getting those five assists is massive. 
Um, I'd love to see if, you know, I saw Jalen Gaffney do it once or twice last night, and it made me really happy that he actually drove to the rim. Um, I think if guys like Cole, Adams, and Gaffney, when they have the ball in their hand, if they want, if they can drive to the rim and you know, either get the bucket or get the foul, that's gonna that's gonna really change things because the point guard play to this point in the season has been extremely underwhelming. So if they can if they can figure that out, if they can recognize that they're not necessarily shooters, they have a good shot or two in them each. You know, Brendan Adams from three, um, especially, but. I think that that could really help things too going forward offensively. Yeah, definitely. And I think we also need to give Jalen Gaffney a quick shout out too. Jalen has he's been kind of been confounding. He he, you know, frankly hasn't been that great this year overall. But last night was a good indication that there is one thing he does very well, and I think UConn needs to try to see if he can do it a little bit more. Uh, really good at getting to the line, and he's an excellent free throw shooter. Um, he yeah. had uh, four for four for the line, and um, you know, that's a valuable, that's, that's valuable on this team. You know, obviously I want to see Gaffney getting a lot more assists. Uh, I just, just being a, a better distributor in general, I, I don't necessarily need him to score a lot, but like, you know, he, he has a lot of, he has a lot of growth to do, but for sure, that's one thing he's can, he can do right now. And it was, I guess, encouraging to see him do more of that. Uh, so as far as Gaffney goes, do we have any kind of thoughts on him and where he stands right now? Um, he's definitely not having as much of an impact this season as he did last year. Um, I think you just touched on that. Um, like I said, and like you said, if he can get to the line more, he becomes a more effective player in this rotation. Um, if he can get more assists, then that would also be great, but he's not going to be a scorer on this team. Um, I don't, he didn't even attempt, uh, he didn't technically attempt a two point field goal last night. He just had the one three point attempt, but you know, again, drive to the rim, get fouls, get the bigs on the other side in foul trouble. That's going to be a big way to help UConn throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, one last quick one. Tyrese Martin was scoreless, yes. but he had seven rebounds. I think it's going to, it's definitely going to become a meme. I think with him where you're just like, like, Oh, well, how did Tyler, how did Tyrese Martin play? And then you look at the box score and you're like, okay, that's weird, but that looks about right. Uh, you know, I don't think we're going to kind of get the DePaul special from Tyrese Martin every time, but it's pretty obvious that even when he's like, quote unquote, not good, he's still just casually getting seven rebounds. So, um, yeah, so good stuff. Yeah, there's a reason UConn is the second, has the second highest offensive rebound percentage in the country this year. And it's well in part, of course, Isaiah Whaley led the way last night, but also Tyrese Martin getting his own shots. You know, he had plenty of missed shots to get the offensive rebounds on, and he did it four times. Um, if he can just, if he can just knock a couple of those shots down, and again make your free throws. Also, he, yeah, I think it. He got to the line when he had, I think it was two offensive rebounds in a row. Um, he got it back, got it back, and then he got fouled. Um, I might be mixing up timelines, but that did happen. The double offensive rebound, I remember it. But man, make your make your shots when you're that close to the to the hoop, and make your foul shots. Yeah, no, for sure. He had four offensive rebounds on the game, and uh, UConn as a whole, uh, they really took it to Marquette on the boards in that respect. Uh, Forty-two rebounds for uh, overall for UConn, uh, twenty-eight for Marquette, and uh, eleven of those were from Dawson Garcia. So um, great, great job overall on the boards. Just a great, just a great performance overall. Uh, so. 
I mean, now, yeah, so UConn is now 5-1, and one, and I think our kind of week-long, you know, stretch, you know, stretch of week-long or week longer than that layoffs hopefully is over. Uh, UConn plays again this weekend and then not long again after that, and it's kind of hopefully going to be just a, you know, knock on wood, a, a regular drumbeat of games. So here's what we have coming up. Uh, UConn's at Butler on Saturday, 4 o'clock on CBS Sports. Uh, then they are at DePaul on Monday at six o'clock on Fox Sports One, and Villanova is scheduled to UConn scheduled to play Villanova on the fifteenth. Uh, that's a home game, but we'll have to wait and see because Villanova's been having uh, COVID issues. So, gonna have to, hopefully that game gets played on time. But in the meantime, UConn has two what appear to be very winnable games on the horizon. So. And after actually after Villanova, then you've got um, St. John's, Xavier, Creighton, Butler, and St. John's again. So obviously Creighton and Xavier will be tough games, but those other ones are all super winnable. So is it like, is it unreasonable for me to look at this and feel really good about where UConn could be in a, potentially like in the near future or even by the end of the month? It's not unreasonable at all. And you know, just looking at these two games coming up, I think you know, first of all, those are winnable opponents, no matter when you play them, where you play them, how you play them. But I think it, something that we haven't really touched on from last night is that that was UConn's first true road game of the season. And if there's something that we've seen from UConn teams in the past, you know, whether they're, you know, established UConn teams or teams kind of like this that are trying to, you know, get to that point of, you know, not necessarily in transition anymore, but trying to become an established great UConn team. Um, that first true road game has always been a struggle. And for 25 minutes last night, it was, and then they figured it out. Now they can, you know, now they've got two more road games coming up against, you know, decent ish opponents where they can really, where they can really turn it on and get a couple of really good wins here going into hopefully that Villanova game. But overall, looking at the rest of the month, I don't see any reason why UConn doesn't come out of this as at, you know, at worst, a three-loss team. Um, you obviously you've got Villanova and Creighton, so I mean, if, and they can pick up a win from one of those two also. So I think this could be a really big month for uh, for the Huskies. Yeah, definitely. I, last night was just a huge measuring stick game because I think Marquette is definitely better than St. John's. They're definitely better than Butler, and they're obviously better than DePaul. UConn has already taken DePaul to the cleaners, so you really have to think that that's that hopefully should be a pretty good. Uh, hopefully a pretty safe bet but you know you don't want to if look i'll do the hot i'll do the hot sauce thing that everybody's doing on twitter if uconn loses to depaul okay i'll just i'll I'll put it i'll put my uh my taste buds on the line there um xavier i'm fascinated for the xavier game that's going to be super fun you know i definitely we're gonna have to have another conversation with captain xavier either before or after that one that'll be i i think honestly that's the maybe that's the game i'm the most curious about of all because xavier is like a mystery to me like they're really talented they've had some really exciting fun games and yet i can't shake the feeling that uconn should definitely beat them so yeah we'll just have to see uh villanova and creighton obviously just we can't i can't stand here with a straight face and tell uconn can or should win either of those games yet i mean creighton they should have beat them last time but you know it's gonna be on the road so we'll we'll see how and i in fact actually i think there'll be fans in the in the crowd there too if i'm not mistaken so that'll be an interesting environment but either way, I love where UConn is at. And what's most important, I think, to me is that UConn is finally, it looks like, in a position to actually take control, like kind of establish itself atop the conference. 
like it's been a while since UConn's done that. I mean, think about it. When was the last time UConn actually spent like the beginning part of conference play in the top half of the conference? Like it's kind of like other than maybe 2016, it's not not something that's happened very often in the last 10 years. I mean, 2014 too, obviously, but you know, usually it feels like they're either somewhere in like the middle or they're like coming from behind or last year they're, you know, fighting for the chance to even be in the top five. Like, now, if they win all these games we think they could, they're going to be solidly top four all season long. Like, man, no, no. it's fun. I've, it's, yeah. it's a good it's a good time to be a UConn fan, that's for it's sure. It's a lot better than spending New Year's down in Houston and Dallas and getting blown out in both those games. <laughs> that's for sure. Those were dark times, man. I don't know how yeah. we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Things are looking up. Oh, man. We made it through. We're into the light. It's all fine. <laughs> it's good. So, uh, yeah. So before we wrap this up, let's just, uh, you know, we do the top dog or we used to do the top dog. It's been a little while, but, uh, I guess not, not much debate. Tyler Pauly, man, was the, the top dog. And then some last night, uh, and just good for him. I mean, he's been through some real, real tough stuff. And, you know, w- what makes me the happiest is that when he, right before he got hurt last year, he had that awesome game where like, man, look, what could Tyler Pauly become? And now it's like last games like last night tell you it's like, okay, when he's like when he's on, this guy is dangerous. And I just hope that we see maybe not quite the 23 points and 15 minutes version of Tyler Polly we got last night. But I'll take 75 percent of that version of Tyler Polly any day. And if we get that guy most of the time, UConn's going to win a lot of games. So, yeah, Tyler, man, if I can get one crossover three from our six, nine stretch forward every game. I will be content. absolutely <laughs> man all right well tim let's let's leave it there uh thanks again for for coming on and uh i don't know any last thoughts any any where where, where do you want to leave the people at right now oh man i just go out and celebrate that win and think about how great it was and you know things are looking up in this conference we're looking you know they're looking like a solid team that's going to win a lot of games so and hopefully, hopefully James Booknight's okay. Hopefully, a cook a cook comes back in the next couple games, and then UConn can really get cooking. Absolutely. Shout out I to did not mean for that pun right there. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> uh, shout out to a dime back for giving uh, Tim Tim a nice shout out on their show, the uh, first and only UConn <laughs> podcast. And uh, shout out to all of you guys for being great listeners. Uh, we'll be back next week, and uh, hopefully at our usual time. I guess uh, it makes sense to be at the usual time because uh, UConn. Actually, Tim, what's what are you up to on uh, Monday night? Is uh, UConn playing DePaul at six o'clock, uh, which is a fairly reasonable time for us to talk right after? Yeah, that works for me. Well, you guys heard it here first. We'll be talking some Butler and DePaul, and maybe hopefully some good more UConn stuff. And if they lose one or both of those games, then we're gonna be really, really. Uh, the tone of next week's show is going to be a lot different. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week. And you guys all, thanks so much for listening. You guys know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. My DMs are open and you can email me at yesyukonpodcast at gmail.com. I follow Tim as well at Tim Fontenot. And um, yeah, uh, leave us some good five-star reviews to game those algorithms. We have been doing great on the searches. So I really appreciate all of what you guys have done for this show and uh had a lot of fun doing it and it's a lot more fun when UConn is with like actually having instant classics that we can talk about and kind of fulfill the show's original purpose so we'll be back next week you guys all have a good one and uh yeah <laughs>